This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You might ask why I would be concerned with bringing the history of the Bible to a more popular audience. We inevitably and must see the world through the lens of a story. A story is a description of the implicit structure through which we view the world and prioritize our perceptions and determine how to act. Now, because you can act in a very large variety of ways, that plethora of possibility has to be limited and focused. It has to come to a point. It has to have a destination. It has to have a moral. It has to have an ethic. And what a story is, is a description of an ethic of potential and action prioritization. Peace is dependent upon us being brought together under the rubric of a single centralizing narrative, much of which is reflected in the meta-narrative that the biblical library constitutes. So I hope you enjoy this tour through the history of the world's most significant book. internet i have returned i'm still today ruben this still is the ruben report it's november 3rd 2023 where has this year gone we are live streaming on the rumble on the youtube on the locals if you want to join us for a post game show today after the show uh rubenreport.locals.com and by the way we are doing our first ever test show we are launching a new show at 1 p.m eastern monday through thursday next week a call-in show so you guys can get involved in what we're doing here. It is one of the pieces that I have wanted to integrate into everything else we're doing uh, for a couple years now. We finally figured out a way we can make it work. We're gonna be launching that next week. It's gonna be Monday through Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern. We're doing our first test show with our locals community today just to make sure we got the tech right and everything else. So I've posted about that in lo locals if you wanna check it out. The cold open today, uh, obviously it was Jordan Peterson talking about the importance of stories in that case, uh, biblical stories specifically. And the reason that I wanted to use that as the cold open uh, is because I am just back from five days in London at Jordan Peterson's ARC conference, the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. And you know, in light of the last uh, three and a half weeks worth of news, or almost a month now, now worth of news, uh, we have needed some some positive stories to be told. We have needed some resurgence of the good ideas to put away the bad ideas, and we we are seeing bad ideas just burst forth and proliferate everywhere. Some of us have been warning about it, and even those who have been warning about it, I think are somewhat surprised at the level of uh, depravity, uh, not just in the barbaric acts themselves, but the response on so many college campuses and from, from so many of our political leaders and people in the West and all of that stuff. But the ARC conference, ARC, which stands for the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship, was so absolutely wonderful. I just want to run through a couple pictures here. Uh, that was me and Ben uh, Shapiro. He was the surprise guest at Jordan's last uh, show. There was a huge show, about 20,000 people at the O2. It was just Jordan at his 
absolute best. There's Jordan at the O2, you can see, and, and Jordan and his wife, Tammy. And there's, uh, there's a rare picture of my producer, Phoenix. Go back to that one. There you go, there's Phoenix, and you can see me in the background. Uh, and we did, we shot about 20 interviews. Uh, you'll recognize a whole bunch of those people from Eric Weinstein and uh, former speaker, Kevin McCarthy, although as he calls himself, uh, once and always speaker, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Brett Weinstein, Andy No, uh, and many more. So we're gonna be releasing a lot of those uh, throughout the week. Oh, there's one more. So that's from the ARC conference itself. I just really like that cool shot. That's Jordan on stage with Ayan Hirsi Ali, former, former deputy prime minister of Australia. John Anderson and uh, some other folks. Uh, and it was just absolutely inspiring. You know, the last couple of weeks have definitely, I think they've taken a toll on everybody and we're all kind of looking to that shining city, like where is it? Which way are we supposed to be going? What is the, the vision for the future that will be positive? And it was just so great to be around so many people. It was an invite only event for the three days and then the, the O2 event was public, but to be around, you know, about 1500 people that we had all sorts of political differences. There were people really much more on the right. There were pe some people, it was harder to find, you know, sort of people really on the left, but like everybody from all these different countries, I think they said there were 73 countries represented there. Uh, and it was really just wonderful and inspiring. And just one other thing before we get to the show today, which is sort of framed around that idea. How do we have a vision for the future? And perhaps it's by looking back into our past, maybe we, did do some good stuff. Maybe our ancestors weren't all backwards, racist, bigoted homophobes. Uh, but one other comment real quick. I seriously missed you guys. Uh, you know, I was in LA for a couple of days before we went to London. We did that show with uh, with RFK, that live event there. So I really haven't been in, show, in studio for about a week and a half. And you know, the show has grown in such a way over the last couple of weeks, especially. And I, I know you guys are looking you know, every every weekday at that 11 o'clock Eastern to, to get a little bit of insight or whatever it is that I offer here. Uh, and I missed you and I thought about you every day and we tried a couple of times we were trying to figure out if there was a way we could live stream from there, but there were just so many things going on. Anyway, for the rest of the year, I'm basically, is it fair to say that I'm basically here? I'm basically in Miami. And uh, yeah, we will not be taking any days off. And as I said, we're adding the second show. Also later in this week is the next Republican debate from Miami. So I think we'll have a couple surprises around that. And there we go. So the theme, a vision for the future by looking back into our past. And I thought we could, uh, we could lay it out with a couple bullet points. Who, who is the enemy right now, right? We seem very confused about that. Uh, what is the action of the enemy? What are they doing right now that seems to be unfurling so many things? Uh, what is the consequence of those actions in America and the West? What are our solutions to what they are doing? And finally, I think that there is a solution and it's that bottom-up approach that Jordan Peterson often talks about. So I thought a nice way to start this would be a clip that maybe some of you have seen because it was a couple days ago while I was gone. Uh, but Elon Musk was on Joe Rogan's show and they were talking about George Soros. And George Soros, as you guys know, he is the, the globalist billionaire who has funded so many of the politicians and the DAs uh, who have ruined so many of our cities. And Elon, uh, well, Joe asked Elon what he thought about George Soros. Uh, and I thought this was quite interesting. You know, one often hears of the sort of George Soros boogeyman, but I mean, Soros actually, you know, it, he, he is, I believe, the top contributor to the Democratic Party. Um, the second one was uh, Sam, Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and Soros, I don't know. I mean, he had a very difficult upbringing. Um, and uh, I, in my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. 
Really? Yeah. I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and a bunch of other cities. So why would you do that? Was it humanity or is it just the United States as a whole? I mean, I mean he's pushing things to other countries too. He's not doing just the here. same thing? Yeah. I should note that that was from the Halloween episode of the Joe Rogan Show. Joe is not going trans unless I missed something. I haven't been on Twitter much the last couple of months. I guess anything's possible. Anything for clicks, right? Um, anyway, this idea that George Soros, that the things that he puts money towards, these DAs all over the place, right? And we know where they are, right? They're in San Francisco, they're in Los Angeles. As a matter of fact, when I went up to San Francisco to meet with Elon Musk a couple of months ago, we stood in his office, which is a corner office in Twitter, and he was just pointing around, oh, that's where they get the drugs, that's where they do the drugs, the police are standing right there, they don't do anything. So he has seen the way it has systemically, you can say the word systemically in this case, it's an overused word, uh, destroyed San Francisco, you know about Los Angeles. We did have a, a Soros-backed DA here in Florida, Ron DeSantis got rid of him. Uh, but here's an interesting moment. So you can agree or disagree with, with Musk's notion that Soros hates humanity. Uh, but he then lays out what he is actually doing, what Soros actually figured out. It's not that you have to break laws to destroy a society. You just have to not enforce laws. And that's an important distinction. Take a look. George at this point is pretty old. I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's basically a bit senile at this point. But I mean, he, he, and, and he's, he, he's, a, he's very smart. Um, and he's very good at arbitrage. You know, famously, he uh, shorted the British pound. That's sort of how I, uh, I think he made his first uh, money was shorting the pound. Um, so he's, he's good at spotting, uh, basically, arbitrage, like spotting value for money that other people don't see. So uh, one of the things he noticed was that, in, it, it, that, that the value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. The lowest value for money is a presidential race. Then next lowest value for money is a Senate race, then a Congress. And then, but once you get to sort of city and state district attorneys, um, the value for money is extremely good. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws. You just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing the laws. That's what he, that's what he figured out. This is a really, really important point, and I think you'll see how I'm connecting it to everything else going on in the world right now. It's complex from an American perspective to change laws, whether it's a city law or a state law or a federal law, you have to go through the either the state Senate or the, the Senate nationally, Congress, et cetera, or you can push people into office. You can back people who will simply not do their job, and the system doesn't know how to really react to those people. So that, for example, might be a district attorney, say George Gascon, who is now the DA of Los Angeles, who does not enforce laws. He doesn't enforce trespassing laws. You can do drugs on the street. You can get away with petty theft. You're literally allowed to steal under, I think it's $899 worth of stuff. So you can walk into a Best Buy, take a PlayStation 5. How much is that running these days, PS5? About 400. You could take about, what, you could get about four games, another like 50 bucks a game, or they're usually about 70 bucks a game now, right? So you get maybe three games, but if you go over that 899, then maybe they'll arrest you, but we know they're not gonna do that. You've all seen the videos of CBS and Dwayne Reed, all these 
uh, drug stores and department stores that are just barren because they have to put stuff, you know, either the shelves are completely barren or they have to put stuff behind glass so you can't get like a Gillette razor unless you actually ask someone. Like, you've all seen all of this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. But it's an important distinction, what, what he's saying. Soros decided, oh, we don't have to do the work. The work would be getting people elected who will change the laws. We can actually just get a bunch of people who will not enforce them, right? This is a fundamental difference and it's a much easier way to destroy society. By the way, that was one of the reasons, there were many reasons, mostly related to COVID, but it was one of the reasons that I left Los Angeles. I felt that if something, uh, if someone had shown up to the door of my house and we had our mail broke into and a bunch more, but if someone had hopped the fence, for example, you were allowed to trespass. If someone had, you know, tried to barge into my house that simply they would not have done anything. If I had taken action to protect myself and my property and my family, I would be the enemy. So this is what Soros has basically ceded across the nation, right? And then what he does is also his, his uh, DAs, they bounce around. So George Gascon, who, as I said, is now the DA of Los Angeles, he is the former DA of San Francisco. So he, he actually destroyed San Francisco, and then they move him, right? And that's Democrat privilege. You never pay the price for what you do. You just get moved elsewhere. So now I wanna connect this to something else because it's not just the DAs, right? You could also get people in charge of say, I don't know, the Department of Homeland Security who simply will not do their job. You could get people at the federal level who are supposed to protect our borders and they simply will not do that. Uh, check this out. This video is going viral. Uh, over the last couple days. Uh, this is our southern border, and you tell me, are the people in charge of the border doing their job or not? you know the answer to the question that I posed, uh, but isn't that interesting? These people who are seemingly all young, right? They're all young, it's largely male, it seems about 80% male, but all young. They all look like they're in their 20s, 30s, maybe 40s, right? Uh, this is very different than say, I don't know, 1920s, 30s America when we had a great boom of immigration, largely from Eastern Europe, and you would see the poor and the tired and the huddle masses and old women with one jacket and people coming across with nothing. These people are wearing pretty decent clothes. They don't seem like they're really fleeing much of anything, but that's a sidebar to the larger issue. The larger issue is we have not gotten rid of any of our laws. We as a society have decided to stop enforcing them. And unfortunately, I have to say we, because even you watching this, if you did not vote for any of these people, uh, it is the society that we're part of. And we have to fix that thing. Uh, because what's happening now is that then often these people come here and they create all sorts of crime, all sorts of stress on our system. And if you say anything about it, you are then called, uh, that's a Nazi even though it's the people that are defending Hamas and the rest of it that are acting like the real Nazis. But then what happens also is that the media 
starts getting everything backwards, right? And they start defending the bad guys and the criminals and the illegals and taking out the good people. So here's a, here's a story. This is from uh, Texas over the last couple of days. Uh, and there is a young teenage kid. I will make no note of his race. You can decide uh, if you think there's a racial element to, uh, to this yourself, uh, who went up to a complete stranger at a park and slugged him. You're gonna see the video. Uh, this is from Cypress, Texas. And watch how the media frames the story. This kid who attacked this man for no particular reason, watch the, the suck job that the media did. 19-year-old Alfred Lewis spoke with me about how he feels about it now. You know, I just made a mistake and everybody makes mistakes. This is the video in question, first shared with KHOU 11 via the Nextdoor app. In it, you can clearly see Lewis striking a man in the head from behind before he turns around in shock. I know like from the video, all you see is like the bad part about it, but um, what people didn't see was that I shook his hand after and how I had gave the man a hug. That is something we cannot verify, nor can we confirm that another man seen in the video getting punched and grabbed later left on good terms, according to Lewis. I really didn't expect for it to just go so left, you know? I have a lot of questions about that. Um, so he beats the crap, basically could have killed that guy. Like a slug like that from the back of your head when you're not expecting it, absolutely could kill you, absolutely could put you in a coma, right? Uh, but now the media does this job on him. Well, what did he think about it? He didn't realize it was gonna go so crazy. The, the video is only showing you a portion. He hugged the guy, so he claims there's no video evidence of the, of, the, uh, of the hug. But the reason I am showing you this, that is a micro version of something that has burst forth throughout society. If you had the race situation backwards on that, right? So let's just say, uh, I don't know, that kid looked like he was what, 15, 16 years old? 15, 16 year old white kid ran up behind a random black dude and slugged him like that. We would have riots in the street. Barack Obama would be saying, that guy looked like my son or my cousin. But when it doesn't fit the narrative, we suddenly humanize the people and we, we neutralize the vice and crime that they are causing all over our cities and towns. So now I wanna show you one other thing. I unfortunately missed uh, Halloween here. Uh, the boys did dress up. We got a lion and a tiger here, but I unfortunately missed Halloween. But I wanna show you this, this video that was also going viral over the last couple of days. This is what appears, it's a little unclear if these are illegal immigrants or not. So I'm gonna put that aside for a moment. But this is a video from Halloween that was going viral uh, well, take a look at the video. And again, this is somewhat irrelevant whether they are illegal or not. I wanna talk about behavior specifically and how when we reward all of the wrong things that society starts collapsing. So take a look. Okay, so it's unclear to the internet whether those people are illegal or not. They obviously weren't speaking English. It's actually a, a moot, well, it's not completely moot point whether they were illegal or not, but I am talking now more about behavior, right? Because that video was going viral, and it's like, what are those people teaching those children? Like, and, and I think, you can see how it starts with that, right? If you have parents 
who tell your kids, go ahead and steal, take everyone else's candy. Not only take everyone else's candy, we'll do it with you. By the way, you shouldn't be eating all that candy. That's, I guess, a sidebar to all of this. But if you start with that sort of thing, you can see how those kids might grow up and then walk into a Best Buy and say, I'd like Call of Duty. I don't have any cash. I'm going to take it and I'm going to punch this security guard on the way out. So these things actually are deeply connected. And then what happens is mainstream media punishes all the wrong people. They constantly go after all of the wrong people. So now I want to show you a video, I believe this is from yesterday, of quote unquote, of late night quote unquote comedian Stephen Colbert. And think of all of the things that are happening in the world right now, all of the bad people who should be exposed right now, all of the wrongs that this guy could hit if he was an actual comedian speaking truth to power. But no, 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 he's going after the orange man. Wow. Then Trump weighed in on the attorneys that flipped on him down in the Georgia election fraud case. If you want to challenge the result of an election, they hound you. Look what happened this weekend with two good people. They hound them and they scare them and they've, but we don't get scared. We don't get scared. I'll tell you what, I don't mind being Nelson Mandela. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I also don't mind him being Nelson Mandela, specifically the part where he goes to jail for 27 years. Wow. Oh, ha, ha. The applause sign went off, so they all applauded. Of course, Nelson Mandela unjustly went to jail for 27 years. Stephen Colbert, you hack, which is exactly what could potentially happen to Donald Trump, whether or not he's done some things that he shouldn't have. The selective a prosecution here, of course, is absolutely ridiculous. But it's not just crime. And this is the this is what I want to link to everything else. It's culture. It's erasing of everything that is our history and what we know to be good and bad. And then ushering in this amoral drivel where we don't know where we came from. So now allow me to link it to something else. You may have seen this. The Black History Museum has melted down a statue of General Robert E. Lee. Now, we know that General Robert E. Lee was on the wrong side of the Civil War. I am not defending Robert E. Lee or slavery. If we melt down, burn down, tear down every statue of our history, how will we ever know who the good guys and bad guys were? Do you think they will stop with just the people who are the bad guys? Probably not. Here's some video of the Black Museum taken out, Robert E. Lee. People were very excited about that. Again, it's not a defense of Robert E. Lee to, to not want the statue there. Uh, I have said this many times, the better way to deal with complex people of history and figures who are controversial and using all of our morals and ideals of today is that if there's a statue of somebody, you don't rip it down. Perhaps some of them you could move to a museum so you don't lose the historical context. But what you could do in some of these cases is put a plaque that explains a bit more. So, okay, this statue was put up in, in deference, in honor of this person, but as time has gone by and we have learned more, here is what we think of the history now. So if you don't want him in public, you put him in a museum, not in our, 
in a furnace. Because when we lose our history, we will lose our future, right? We will literally, if we lose the history, it's not that we'll lose the future, we won't know how to get to a decent future. That really is the problem. And that now is what is happening all over our college campuses and in a very twisted way all over many of our biggest cities. So here is a pro-Hamas rally in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York, which of course is home to one of the largest populations of Jews in the United States. And they're calling for River to the Sea, which is a genocide chant and a bunch more. And the New York City Police Department, which is which is certainly not the NYPD of old of the old days, right? This is not Rudy Giuliani's NYPD. These are these are largely good people who are trying. Many of them have retired early. Uh, many of them have been now been brought down to Florida because DeSantis has said to these guys, hey, if you don't want to work there and you're good and you're decent, we'll, we'll take you down here. So one of the other things happening right now is that the blue states are losing their good police officers because the administrations don't back them. This is a problem. Uh, it got a little violent in, uh, in Brooklyn with the pro-Hamas. And by the way, I have no problem calling these people pro-Hamas protesters. People keep saying, well, they're not all for Hamas. I have yet to see anyone literally one person at any of these rallies that is out there with the sign, I'm for the Gazans, but I am against Hamas, right? These, all of these things, all of these protests broke out after Hamas killed about 1,400 Israelis and still have 200 uh, hostages, including about a dozen Americans, which nobody seems to care about. Anyway, here's Brooklyn uh, just in the last day or two. I gotta say, the police are trying. They are trying to let people peacefully protest. Uh, one of the things that we are gonna be challenged on going forward constantly is what are the limits of free speech? If you are chanting for genocide, how close does that get to a direct threat of violence? If you are targeting, as they've done in London repeatedly now, uh, if you target just a random store owned by a Jew for your anti-Israel supposed protest, are you infringing on the rights of that person to own their store, right? To basically run a business. And we know this thing is far more than anger over Israel's response to what happened in Southern Israel, right? This was all coordinated, it was all ready. Just think back to BLM. They turn this thing on when they want and they turn it off when they don't want. And by the way, that is deeply connected to George Soros and the people who fund all of these organizations, right? BLM was funded to the tunes of hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. Did they send one black kid to college? We could do a little research on that. Did they open one black shop? Did they do anything about urban renewal in black communities? Or did they just get a bunch of people, a bunch of grifters, real rich? Well, when you watch, those people, and by the way, you know, it's a, it's a strange confluence. I'd say you have some genuine kind of like Islamists out there who wanna take down the United States and we have to figure out if they're here legally or not. And that distinction is important when figuring out what to do with them, that's one thing. Then you have like the set of like confused moron, you know, college kids and whatever. Then you have just like some, gen, like just kind of like a bunch of losers with nothing to do. And you know, it's like, okay, that that's kind of what's all going on there. But the point is they make up some intersectional, disgusting coalition of lunatics. And unfortunately we as a society right now, we don't know what to do about that. 
We don't, and I have to tell you, having been in London, like the people of London, they don't know what to do of it. They're, it's not that most people in London are, are these radical, uh, radical people cheering on the death of Jews. Of course not. I would venture to say it's far more, it's probably 90% of the people that are against it. I don't have the exact numbers. We're, we're gonna work on getting some numbers on that. And I think that especially in America, we certainly, most people are not for this, but the good people, the, the huge silent majority, we simply do not know what to do about them because we've in some essence lost the culture war. So we don't have enough good people out there fighting this stuff. Uh, one good person who's out there fighting this stuff is Haya Rachik. You know her better. She's better known as Libs of TikTok on Twitter. And she just does an absolute uh, great job. She has confronted some of the people from our Hamas caucus uh, on the floors of the house many times. Here she is in the last day or two, uh, going after AOC and trying to get her to condemn Hamas or anything. And, and just like we've shown you these videos from Ilhan Omar, we've shown you these videos from Rashida Tlaib, they seem incapable of condemning people who literally put children into ovens. That seems a bridge too far for these people. Take a look. Hey, can I grab a photo with you? Hi, thanks. So when you told me you never wanted to share a space with me. I never want to share space with you. Thank you. Is it because you're part of the Hamas caucus and I'm Jewish? All right. No, it's because you're a transphobe. Thank you. Okay, so, so oh, are you heading to a Hamas caucus meeting? When's the next one? You know there are Americans being held hostage. Do you care? Do you care that Hamas is holding Americans hostage? What do you say to the families of Americans who are currently being held hostage by Hamas? Does the Hamas caucus have a statement about it? <laughs> I was really great. You know, that's not easy to do to get in somebody's face. Like it looks like it can be fun or silly, but like it's not the easiest thing to do. I've been around these people and security and you don't know what they're gonna do to you. So that's just a beautiful moment. But notice AOC again, she just simply cannot condemn these people. And, and she was so excited to take the picture at first. And then she realized, oh, uh-oh, uh oh, uh -oh, it's her. And then what is, what is her answer? Why doesn't she like her? Because she's transphobic, which means that Haya has an irrational fear of trans people. No, that is not true. And the word, much like Islamophobic, is completely ridiculous. It's not about an irrational fear. It, in this case, is more about she doesn't want little boys' wangs cut off so that they can pretend that they're girls in the name of tolerance and diversity. All right, so AOC, and, and by the way, as you know, AOC has no knowledge of, of the history or anything else, and the revolution will eat her the way the revolution is eating Bernie Sanders, who's largely irre irrelevant, hallelujah. The, the revolution will eventually eat AOC, so there is a silver lining to all of this, guys. But the point is that people like AOC and the political class who either is ushering this in intentionally or just sort of burying their heads in the sand, uh, they have been funded by guys like George Soros, and that milieu of people are basically looking <coughs> excuse me to take out all of western heritage and it's not just here in the united states i want to show you a video of the scottish labor party leader his name is anas sarwar and he is very upset that there's so many people that are white in scotland every chief executive of every council and every government department white every director of a department in scotland white Every principal of a college or university in Scotland, white. Every head teacher in Scotland, white. Every chair of a public sector body in Scotland, white. Every high court judge in Scotland, white. Every prison governor in Scotland, 
white. Every editor of a news organization in Scotland, white. Why? You know, every time I've watched Braveheart, I've always thought that Mel Gibson should have been cast as a black guy. It always, I found it personally offensive. Um, that guy is, is there only to destroy Scotland. Let's be very, very clear about it. Actually, in the interview, if you want to know a little bit more about him, and by the way, oh, you're not going to believe this, his wife is Palestinian. Um, if you want to know a bit more about him, in my interview that we're going to put up next week, as I said, I did about 20 interviews throughout the week uh, with Douglas Murray. He really, Douglas is in, Douglas is in sh such sharp, based Douglas Murray mode. He has been warning about all of this for years, right? His book, The Strange Death of Europe, from what, seven years ago? Uh, he is he is just so sharp and, and focused and clear on all of this. I have two Scottish employees in the studio right now. Do you have Scottish blood? Do you you I feel like you must have Scottish blood. Who's my other? You have Scottish blood? My and look at you. Connor's literally the whitest person I've ever seen. He's going after you. He's going after you. You at least have a little more color from Italy or something. Anyway, the point, the point is, Scotland, okay, they have white people. These people are here to destroy the West. And if you don't see that already, you can bury your head in the sand, but that just means that they will behead you a lower, a little bit lower on the neck. That's how it works. Now I wanna show you something um, because, uh, you know, the few days before I went to London, I actually was debating whether I was gonna go at all because of these crazy, uh, these crazy protests there, these Hamas rallies, they are, again, they are Hamas rallies. I will say that until proven wrong. Until you get me a rally of a couple thousand people chanting no Hamas, uh, then I'm gonna call them Hamas rallies. Uh, this was, was the massive one. This was just hours before I landed in London. Take a look. They say that was over 100,000 people. I don't know about the exact numbers uh, that you saw Big Ben in that picture, beautiful building. We, we were right there. We were right there. We walked by that. Actually, one night I was going to dinner. We were in a car and we drove right by one of the Hamas rallies. Um, the question is, really, um, do you think these people are proud British citizens? Who is more indigenous to the land? Do you think it's the ancient, it's the Jews in the ancient land of Israel? the Bible, all of that stuff, the story where Jesus was from and where Hanukkah took place and all that. Do you think the Jews have a little more connection with that land? Or those 100,000 people who are somehow in Britain there to undermine the very Western values that allowed them to be there in the first place? That is the question. And as I have said repeatedly and will continue to say, if you, if you don't care about Jews and you don't care about Israel, it's fine. It, it actually is fine, right? Like everyone can care about the, whatever is important in your hierarchy of things you care about, that's just fine. But if you think that if they take out that tiny little country the size of New Jersey and wipe out all the Jews there, if you think that those people in London and in Paris and in Brussels and in Amsterdam are gonna wash their hands and be like, okay, we're good, let's go home and let's be great citizens and build a great free country, no. They have been empowered and emboldened and they will come for everybody else. Uh, of course, the next part of this, I believe this is also from London, check out this flag, this is very exciting from one of these uh, protests. They have combined the psychotic and racist trans flag. So you have people who want to chop the genitals off children. They have combined that with the, uh, the Palestinian slash Hamas flag, which is uh, better noted for wanting to chop 
the heads off babies. So whether it is your genitals or your head, you will be severely wounded by the end, by the time they are done with you. Uh, okay, so now that we've shown you what's going on in London today, and by the way, all things being equal, I had a nice time in London. As I said, the, the, the event itself, I was largely just going from the hotel to the event. I did go to a couple dinners and things. I had a nice time in London. There were a lot of good people in London. The, the British people are waking up to this, so I am not besmirching all the people of, of Great Britain. I am not going after all the Londoners. Again, good people don't know exactly what to do, but when you see those 100,000 people marching out there and you know, you, you, you just know it in your bones, they don't care about Britain. They are there to invade. They are calling for their Islamist armies. They are calling for the rise of, uh, from the river to the sea and all of those things. What do you think the future of London will look like? Well, I would recommend you read any of Douglas Murray's books or watch the interview we're gonna have in a couple days. Uh, we thought we'd sh we've shown you this once before, but I thought it was worth noting again because it was in my head the entire time I was London. Uh, here's London in 1960. Beautiful architecture, people going about their business, well-dressed, the society on its way up with a great history, right? Right, like Britain, London, England, there's a great history there of Western values. And then since 1960, what has happened? Massive migration, uh, massive open borders that have allowed all sorts of people to come in and have their own little pockets. We actually drove through one of the little pockets that let's just say if Dave Rubin had got out of the car, it probably wouldn't have gone that well. Um, they had now have infected their society with something that the good people of their society don't know what to do with. They had a beautiful flower, an absolutely beautiful flower. But today that flower has been cut from its roots. What happens when a flower is cut from its roots? Well, here's Ayan Hirsi Ali, uh, on stage with Jordan Peterson and a couple other people at the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship conference that I was at. But what I, the quotes that you just had about, uh, you know, Western civilization is a cut flower and cut flowers die. That is true. Cut flowers die, that is true. So what do we do? Because we are seeing now that whether it's in America, to a lesser extent, I would say largely in Western Europe, some of the places I mentioned, France, Britain, Belgium, Holland, they have a much bigger problem with all of this, but the purpose of the ARC conference to, was to try to figure out what is the story? What is the story that we knew that we forgot that we must remember so we can get out of this mess? Ion continued. Cut flowers do die, but what we have in terms of Western civilization is a lot of seed packets. 
And I want to send you off with these seed packets, which you find in libraries, which you find in you know, wise people like you, like Roger Scruton, like all these other people that I mentioned, uh, in statues. We have the remnants, the symbols of Western heritage and their seeds. And all we have to do, those of us who inherited it and enjoy it, is to go and seed them, grow them, nurture them, water them. And when they're attacked, fight for them. I, I just adore that woman. I did have a, a sit down with Ayan Hirsi Ali that you'll see as well. I've had Ayan a few times on the show. Her story is the, she is the living, breathing embodiment of how good the West is. A woman who was born in Sudan, who underwent female genital mutilation, who was forced to be married, who was raped, who eventually made it to Holland, uh, became a member of parliament in Holland, along with uh, Theo van Gogh, Vincent van Gogh's, I, was it his son or grandson, I'm blanking, who was assassinated on the streets of Amsterdam uh, by an Islamist, and then they pinned a note on Theo van Gogh basically saying, Ayan, we're coming for you next. Thus she moved to the United States of America. Uh, but what she's talking about there, we have the seeds. And you know what those seeds are? Those seeds are, are things like individual rights. Those seeds are things like free speech, knowing where we came from and how we got there. And now I wanna show you this video that uh, I'm guessing you've probably seen it because it went super, super viral, but this is just so great. This made me proud. You know, so much of what I see out of New York City these days, I'm like, oh man, like that's just so not the New York City that I once knew um, and, and, and lived in for 20 years, my most formative years in my, you know, like early 20s into, into mid 30s. Um, here is a video from New York City. I think it's in Queens actually. Uh, and watch as one of these people, one of these awful human beings, I don't know if he's there legally or not, uh, he's ripping down signs of kidnapped and murdered children in Israel. We don't know why he's doing that. I mean, you could be for the whatever you believe to be the plight of the Palestinians and still understand that kidnapping and murdering children is not a good idea. But watch the way some of these true New Yorkers, this guy is such a true New Yorker, watch how they respond. This is so absolutely beautiful. No, what are you doing? You know where they are right now? Do you have any idea where they are right now? Alright. I'm a veteran. I'm telling you. Alright. Don't do it. And he's I'm not, not Jewish. He's not Jewish. I don't know if he is or not. It doesn't matter. This is in the US. That is New York City. You don't have a right to touch that This is a free country. You can wave your Palestine flag and say death to the Jews or America whenever you want. But we can put up signs. Okay? We then don't rip that down. You are doing something. You're offending us. Yeah, you are. When you throw that on the floor, you're littering the city. In a minute, I'm going to litter the floor with you. You have the proof? So move the f on. Do you have proof that they're not kidnapped? No, so shut the f up. Don't touch me. I know that's what you want. I'm dying of f***ing you in the hospital. Come on. I mean, it's so good. The emotion and the spirit that New York used to have, right? Like, and, and yes, he got as close as you can get without punching somebody and all of that stuff. I have been trying to find this guy online. Apparently we were able to find one of the other guys, but I got a thousand bucks. I will treat that guy to Peter Luger's Steakhouse or whatever he wants to do in New York with all his friends or whatever. If I can get up there, I'd be happy to go up and, and, and break bread with him and those guys. And how beautiful, like it doesn't matter. As he said, I'm not Jewish, he's not Jewish. It doesn't matter, we believe in America, right? And it's like, and that the other guy, I'm a veteran, like, and this disgusting pig, and that's what that man is. He has nothing, he has nothing to say. Absolutely nothing to say. So that guy right there with the, with the glasses on his head, showing the passion and showing the belief and showing the spirit of America, 
he's the one that's actually replanting the seeds. Because if we don't start getting some of that attitude, all of us, all of us, dare I say it, don't get a backbone like a ramrod, uh, we are going to continue the descent to hell. So now I want to show you, and I think we're going to try to uh, play this full video. We're going to see if we can get it from the ARC folks. At the end of the ARC conference, which again was three days of academics and, and political leaders and thinkers and influencers and all these people giving incredible speeches. I kid you not when I say this, I am not being hyperbolic or sarcastic or, um, or exaggerating. Jordan Peterson gave the best speech I have ever heard in my life. Not just the best Jordan Peterson speech, the best speech I have ever heard in my life. It was a distillation of everything I have ever seen this man do. And let's not forget, I toured with the guy for a year and a half, 120 shows, about 20 countries. I saw him take all of the work he has ever done and combine it. I want to show you, it's about a minute and a half clip, uh, just a portion of it. We'll, we'll try to repost the full thing, but perhaps, guys, there are some answers and sort of where we started at the beginning of the show. Perhaps we just have to look backwards to figure out that we are actually a piece of the thing that might fix it. Perhaps, Jordan. And that's what's happening to the young people that we see who are adrift. They're taught to be nothing but self-conscious, to do nothing but think about their immediate needs, to refer to themselves as the locus of all things, and there's nothing you could do that would make them more miserable. It's identical with the instruction in misery. And you want to be outside yourself, serving a higher purpose, and maybe you're cynical about that, but you can think about it technically. Well, why do you bring a fork to the table? Well, so that you can put a plate beside it. And why do you put a plate at the table? And it's so that you can set the table to serve your family, to share food, to bring together the people you love in something approximating harmony as a microcosm of the entire cosmic order. And you can replicate that at every level of complexity all the way up to what's at the pinnacle. And that's all real. And so is what's at the pinnacle. And we've forgotten all of that. And as a consequence of forgetting that, we've forgotten the responsibility that we need to bear in our life to make our lives bearable. And we've forgotten the meaning and the adventure and the purpose and the significance and the, and the earned self-regard that goes along with that sacrificial attitude. And we've forgotten to tell our children the same thing. And we could remember, we could remember who we are. We could remember who we are. And that's what this conference was for, to remind people, everyone who attends, who you are, right? You're the, the, the. I'm telling you guys, I sat in that room with over a thousand people. You could not only hear a pin drop, which I've been through that with Jordan many times before, but I don't know that there was a dry eye in there. I, when you hear truth, what I always tell you, we play all these clips of these politicians lying and you can feel it in your body. It's not right, it's not good. It's why they're always screaming and emoting. And then something like truth comes and you hear it and it gets in you, right? And that is what Jordan is asking us to remember. I'm also reminded, it's funny, I didn't even think of this when I was hearing it the first time. One of the things that I really like to do, and I actually wrote about it in, in Don't Burn This Country, like we love having big dinner parties here. I love setting the table. And it finally connected in my mind. Literally, I was just watching that. I was there live for it. I've watched it twice since. But it just hit me. Like there was a, it's not just to have a nice table. It's like there is a reason that if you set the table properly and then you invite people over and they dress a certain way and you all sort of believe in, in whatever your shared values are. Let's say the values of 
goodness and community and decency and you share a meal and you talk about things, that you start seeding the ground, as Ayan asked us to do. You start seeding the ground for a better society. So we're almost at the end of the show today. So I now want to go back to just an image. Remember that family that we showed you? It does not matter, as I said earlier, uh, within the context of how I'm describing it, it does not matter whether they're here illegally or not. It matters in a meta sense, but for the purposes of stealing the candy, it doesn't remember it. So let's show you a picture of that family again. We don't have to show you the full thing. So here they are, and there was also a young guy there that you can't quite see in the yellow, and they're just grabbing all the candy taken from everybody. They are stealing, they are showing their kids it's okay to steal, they're gonna get fat and their teeth are gonna rot, and they're gonna get everything they deserve, and that's what they're doing to society. But there's a better way. How about we all fill up that bowl? What do you think? I'll do it if you will. Uh, guys, parts one and two of my interview with RFK on location in Los Angeles are up right now. The full thing's on Locals, of course. Uh, if you have not joined us on uh, Rumble, rumble.com slash Ruben Report. Post-game show, as I said, coming up right now at rubenreport.locals.com. And uh, later today, we're running our first test of the new call-in show, which will debut next week. That's you guys being part of the show, uncensored. I want to hear what you think about things. I have often said in, in the midst of anything, if I've learned anything over the last couple of years, and I like to think I've learned a couple of things, uh, it's that often you guys have as much, if not more, insight than a lot of the people that I'm sitting down with. So I've wanted to do this show for a long time. I'm psyched that we're going to finally launch it. So we're doing our first test version. And if you want to uh, be part of that and then be part of the queue of people that we'll be selecting to be on the show, you can join us at rubenreport.locals. Ah, I was about to say the show is a 10, the rare 10. And then I got rubenreport.locals.com wrong. All right, we're going to 9-9 this thing. Uh, we leave you with another guy who knew a little something about what your responsibility in society is, and we'll see everybody on the other side. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.